0: The Houston Astros won again. Surprise! The best team in the American League just happens to be the defending World Series champs. And by the look of it, they could be the team to beat. Let's not be too cute about who we're going to be picking to win the American League this year. The champs are here. And do you know who's also here? That'd be H-Town Wheelhouse from On Astros. We're going to be talking a little bit about what is, let's face it, the best pitching staff in baseball. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a live stream of the Locked On MLB podcast. I already see we have our first listener in here. If you have anything you want to say, dump it in the chat. We'll talk about it right now. This is the podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball all season long. We don't have an off season. We can't afford one. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please check me out right there. My lower third tells you my name is Sully. You can follow this podcast at On MLB Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. I am at my personal account of Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer. Yes, I am. I've been a comedian, a writer. A, sometimes I've been an actor. Sometimes I've been a filmmaker. I've written for magazines, but I've been a, a baseball podcaster. For the last decade. And for this is gonna be soon the end of my fourth full season at the Locked On Podcast Network. If you call the COVID year a full season. Oh, but we're going to, because why not? Um, hey, let's uh, let's start talking about the show here. Um, by the way, thanks so much for making us your first listeners. We're available on all your free podcasting catchers, and make your second listen be On Astros, which is the daily and pretty popular podcast with lots of great guests players uh people involved in the organization and uh you know, my my buddy who's been on the show a bunch of times and i wanted to bring him out i'm trying to get all the teams that are going to be going to the postseason to have their hosts appear on the show before we get to october and hey i think it's a pretty safe oh you're not ryan finkelstein no you're not <laughs> There no. you are. Sorry, <laughs> wrong lower third.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. Oh, doing
0: it live. Doing it live. H Wheelhouse, Brett Chauncey, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Man, I'm doing good, Sully. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This has been such a great season. There's been there's a lot to talk about. And I know there's certain things that you want to hit on, but I really feel like this team has a fully loaded pitching staff. And I can imagine what we could have done last year with our pitching staff, even though the hitting was a little miss in the playoffs, but it definitely would have changed things, I think, or made it a little more difficult for the Braves. Cause we don't want to take away from the fact that they beat us handedly, but the Houston Astros, um, when you start looking at this, at this pitching staff, Ben DeBose and I tonight broke it down. And until you really start talking about it, you don't realize how good it
0: is. Well, this is how good it is okay i'll I'll talk to you a little bit about it and we talked a lot i I said a lot of wonderful things about dusty baker last night i stand by them uh you know you talk about the astros bats in the postseason last year uh i seem to remember them scoring at will against chicago and boston (laughs) you know i mean that was those that's why i thought they were gonna beat atlanta because it was like okay you know, Atlanta beat a Brewers team that had a questionable offense and an exhausted Dodger team, but they're about to play the varsity. Uh, and I, you know, I, I underestimated the the power of Atlanta's bullpen last year, but they still got to you know, Astros still got the Game Six of the World Series, and uh, they're better this year. I don't. And if you had told me the Astros would be better after Carlos Correa left. I mean, if there's any discussion of Dusty Baker as manager of the year, it might be because of that. But the fact of the matter is, here is how deep the Astros pitching is. Today, the uh, uh, The Astros went up against A.J. Hinch and Detroit. They're in Detroit. Uh, and Christian Javier, uh, six shutout innings, two hits, no walks, eight strikeouts, zero. And uh, zero walks, eight strikeouts, and in the end, uh, Houston doubled up the Tigers, two to one. And Javier may be going to the bullpen in the postseason. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that's that's a possibility, and that it is. is, and and especially if if Verlander, remember him, who missed the COVID year. Missed last year, when we last saw Justin Verlander, he won the Cy Young Award. Pitched one game the next year and didn't see him since. And when a player his age misses essentially two seasons, you're ready to say goodbye. You know, it's like, you know, I've probably seen him. If we see him again, it'll be a shell of his former self. Boom, he's a Cy (laughs) Young contender again. It's like, it's, they got, acqu- it's like they acquired, it's like they reached into their pocket. They have been used for, of a coat they've been worn since winter. And there's a Cy Young winner in there. I mean, it's like they got it for nothing. is. nothing.
1: It is something like, you know, when Peyton Manning had that surgery and then came back and won a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and, or, you know, these, these, these athletes. And I think what was to Justin Verlander's advantage was his two-year layoff and how much he missed the game and how methodical he was in his recovery. Um, I was at a game one when, when, when day solely, and I was there. My son and I took a, took a ballpark tour. We hadn't taken one in a few years. And Justin Verlander, it was an off day, and he was out doing his in-between game workout. He was doing a workout much like you would see a high school or a college or minor league pitcher who's developing through the system, just doing these very, Basic kinesthetic type workouts. I mean, you know, it it was just something else to see a veteran of his length go out there and truly be a student and listening to Bill Murphy, listening to the pitching coaches, because he knows how important it is. And he recently said, um, when, you know, because he's on the aisle stint, he's going to be coming back Friday, I believe, in Oakland. He said, There's no need to rush me back. He goes, I couldn't rush back, not be 100%. And then have something happen where I'm out for the season. Because he goes, then I would have to look my teammate in the face. I'd have to look the city in the face. And I'd have to tell him that I rushed it back. He said, I realize the value of being out and how much I miss baseball. And so he's been meticulous. And his hard work has paid off. There's something different about a veteran going through Tommy John surgery and a young pitcher going through Tommy John surgery because Verlander has pretty much accomplished just about everything you want as a pitcher. World Series what champion, he, Cy Young, no hitters. MVP, I mean, the guy's you know, MVP. This guy's done it all, literally.
0: Marrying a model.
1: Yeah, I mean, God. yeah, just like anything this guy does, he's like Rumpelstiltskin, just everything turns to gold, you know?
0: Well, yeah, it's like a, a genie would look at him and go, "What? What do you yeah. want?" <laughs> you're What else you're, do you you're, need? You're Justin? a millionaire many times over. What? Go away. Yeah. Some people, but, some people need the lamp. Some people no, need yeah. the lamp.
1: Well, it, and that's the thing. And um, when when we get to talking to um, when we get talking about Framber, I've got a story about him from from, from you know from twenty nineteen when he was in the minor leagues um, before right. he turned it around, and we can we can get to that soon. But yeah, man, t- watching Justin Verlander deal. I mean, this team literally we have three, possibly four pitchers that could be an ace on most ball clubs this year
0: uh playoff teams like yeah. like look at we mentioned Verlander, who has a sub two era uh has 154 strikeouts and 152 innings and only 26 walks think of that strikeout to walk ratio and it was sub 1.9 earned run average as a 39 year old man now he's coming he is scheduled to be back this weekend if i'm not mistaken right of uh, off the injured list um Luis Garcia, who people forget, has had a fine season, basically is your number four. Jose Urquidy has been excellent, solid ERA, good uh, uh, innings pitch. Uh, Young Hunter Brown has thrown two games, and I want to get specifically about Hunter Brown in the next segment, but you have Hunter Brown and Lance McCullers Jr. coming back. Um, You know, really good arms in the bullpen between Presley, Abreu, Maton, Stanek, rafael montero fine but framber valdez in my very humble opinion is creeping up in the cy young discussion if for no other reason than he has terrific stats has you know threw a complete game shout out just the other day and is a rare pitcher that he's an innings eater who's putting up all-star mm-hmm. numbers so you, when you put Valdez out there, you know you're not taxing the bullpen. You're not pulling a Blake Snell and bringing in the bullpen in the sixth inning, even if he's throwing a masterpiece. You can push <laughs> Valdez, which you sometimes need to do with some of these pitchers in the postseason. That uh, you know, solid starts means the bullpen's sharp. The bullpen being sharp means you don't have to wear out the pitchers. Yin, yang, let's go.
1: Yes, Framber Valdez. I believe I, I believe two weeks ago I called and I started talking about him being a Cy Young candidate. And I know Dylan Cease has done phenomenal things. I know there's other pitchers outside of Verlander that have been phenomenal. But twenty seven, twenty five of his twenty seven starts have been quality starts. He just tied Jacob Degrom with twenty four consecutive in a single season. He's got the most of any left handed pitcher. Of all time. So he's got that record. He's now his next start. He will try to break Jacob DeGrom's record. He's calm, cool, and collect. And I go back to 2019 when he had got sent down. My son and I, I was awarded my first interviews with three players in the Astros organization when they were at Round Rock. It was Josh Rojas, who got traded in the Zach Grinke trade, mm-hmm. um, Colin McKee, and Brandon Belak, who was up and down with the Astros these last couple seasons. And Framar Valdez was pitching. Carlos Correa was finishing up an IL stint down there it was his last game and Framber had just been sent back down because he was walking a lot of people. My son was 9 at the time. We're in the press box, we're watching the game and Framber Valdez is sweating bullets. He had walked six or seven batters, given up three or four hits, given up several runs and my son looks at me and goes, "What's wrong with what's wrong with Framber?" He knew his name and I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "He doesn't look comfortable." This is a 9-year-old Observing a grown man in a professional game, saying he doesn't look comfortable, I said, "I don't know. You're right. He doesn't. He looks very unsettled." Twenty twenty comes around. He meets with a psychologist who helped him in his focus in his the mental aspect of the game, and ever since then, Framer Valdez has become literally. The ace of this ball club. I love mm-hmm. Justin Verlander. I'm not saying he's not the ace. He is your he is your grandpoo because of his veteranship, right? But we don't know if Verlander's coming back next year, and if he's not coming back, you're you mean to tell me that Framber Valdez is my number one? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Framber Valdez is my number one.
0: Hey, look, I'm going to tell you something right here and now. It was a long shot at the beginning of the year that Framber Valdez was going to be even cy young contender but you know do you what i'd put some money down i mean it may not be the odds-on favorite but i put some money down i put a bet that valdez could be a cy young award winner and if you're gonna make any bets go to bet online it's the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season find all the latest football league developments game matchups news and podcasts including this year's opening week games which already happened right so,
1: yes, it go did, ahead yeah.
0: and go ahead and bet on them and clean up. Uh, bet online is also your continued source. Updated copy, bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, you want even golf. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. I hope people weren't under the illusions that I don't read those. Um, hey, I have something I want to throw out here. Yeah. Um, Houston is with you know, the a lot of people are making a big deal about the Yankee collapse of the last week or so. In the end, it will barely be a blip. You know, the Yankees seem to have gotten their act together, they're clearly going to win the division, they're going to avoid the uh. Uh, the the wild card round and if you had polled 1 million yankee fans going into this year would you take the number 2 seed avoiding the wild card round and winning 98 99 games you would get 1 million yeses so in the, in the end it was just a blip a hiccup in the middle of a season so they won't win 100 games fine um, the astros look like they're going to be the number 1 team in the american league and I, I think that's that's pretty safe to say. Um, I agree. And they'll probably line up very favorably to what whether they play Cleveland, whatever team it's Cleveland, Seattle, Toronto, Tampa Bay, whichever is the team they wind up playing. If Chicago goes on a run, you know, Astros should be praying for that, um, especially if they burn Dylan Season, and Johnny Cueto in the wild card round. True. I I'm going to make this. He, he, look, it, I t- I'm. no one's asking me, but I think it would be smart for whichever team they wind up playing in that division series. I would give Hunter Brown a start. I would give him a start, and let me tell you why. Nobody's seen him. None of the players. He'd be a brand-new pitcher. He's super talented. And some of the veterans that you could potentially put in the bullpen – to be his, uh, to be the safety net, whether it's Lance McCullers Jr., whether it's Christian Javier, someone who has experience in the postseason, World Series, and everything like that, you would rather be able to reach back and say, "Okay, you guys back up," but the possibility of this young, really, really talented young pitcher catching a team off guard that they had never seen before, I think, would give the Astros a tremendous advantage i would i mean mccullers and possibly javier or or, who, or the other one what did i i just said javier um maybe luis garcia i don't know but one of them out of the pen just shows like how deep like you would have two innings eaters at the top of the rotation and throw like two or three people who would be starters on most playoff teams coming out of the pen uh, yeah. i think the astros are incredibly well set up to making it to the American League Championship Series, even without knowing who the hell their opponent's going to be.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, and I think Hunter Brown because I I got to see him pitch several times, and just give you a little uh, a, a little quick story on him when he got elected to the Futures Game. I was at Constellation Field the next day,
0: mm-hmm. and I was I
1: was talking to Hunter. I was talking to Sean Dubin, and a couple of the players, and I said, "Hey, Hunter, congratulations on your on your um, nomination to the." Um, futures game. And he said, well, I appreciate that, but you know what I really want? I said, what's that? He goes, I want to be pitching at Minute Maid Park. That's the ultimate goal. And he said, I appreciate the award, but it's going to mean so much more when I've got that Astros uniform on. And I'm like, for a kid to say that, to be recognized by his peers and by the league, to be one of the future stars of the game and to say, yeah, but that's not the end goal. He goes, I want to help the Astros win another World Series. Like I knew then, what I had seen on the field. I mean, I've seen him go 5-7 strong innings, struck out 8-9-11. I've seen him come in inning 5-9 through nine and just shut a team down. And Hunter Brown could do that. If if you have a game, too, Sully, where maybe you surprisingly have to use several bullpen arms, you could bring a Hunter Brown in the next game. If your starting pitcher isn't all queued up to, through four innings, bring in Hunter Brown 5-9. through nine. That would not be a bad thing because when you watch his pitching action, when you watch the velocity on his pitches, he has a lot of similarities to Jacob deGrom and Kevin Brown on his slider. His movement, the way the ball tails, even his fastball. Like I'm like, wait, how did his fastball end up there? And he was dotting up the strike zone against the Tigers. I know it's the Tigers, but I mean, Javi Javi Baez was frozen. I mean, he was hitting the upper outside part of the plate with precision, and nobody works harder than this kid. And I don't know if you've seen Pitching Ninja and everybody's comparison with him next to JV. You mm-hmm. can't tell a difference. You cannot tell a difference in their pitching motion. It's it's absolutely astounding.
0: It's fantastic, and that's and I think it would be a huge advantage if they could put him in a series with a team that he's facing has never seen him before. And you know, and get them off guard, knowing that you have McCullers Jr. or Javier as your safety net. I just, when you can mix and Make match sense. like this, I mean, I I just think that, especially the division series. Once you w- once you get that second win, and you get the other team on their heels. I mean, if you win the first two, it's like what happened with Chicago last year. I mean, Chicago was not a bad team last year. It was just a horrible matchup for them. Like the, it was the worst potential opponent for them. You know, if they had played Tampa or Boston or New York or some of the other, and you know, they, and they the probably other, they would
1: have, have done different. Yeah,
0: they would have. You know, they did wind up winning one game, and I give them credit that they won the one game at uh, you know, at you know in Chicago. But everyone knew it was a it was a fait accompli after the first couple of games. And if, and if you just get a team down 0-2 in the division series, with very few exceptions, they just know that they you know, they're going to be floundering. And if you put a team that's floundering and a little desperate and you throw a super talented picture that they've never (laughs) seen before, that's true. Yeah. Because,
1: because it it looks like right now, if things were to end right now, and I think this may be from, maybe from um, yesterday. So this may be a little dated or it it may have changed. It looks like Cleveland and Tampa would play each other. The winner of that would play the, the Yankees. Then Seattle Toronto would play each other. Mm-hmm. The winner of that would would play the Astros. And even with the familiarity that the Mariners have with the Astros, they still haven't faced Hunter Brown. And so That's that right. does work in the Astros' advantage. So solely, let's say they do that. Let's say they throw a wild card out there and they throw Hunter Brown. Right. Then you also have another pitcher that you may not have to use as a starter in the ALCS. Right. And then you could transition Hunter Brown into a say, look, kid, you got the confidence, you got the moxie. We're going to put you in the pin, not necessarily a high leverage situation, but we're going to put you in to hold things down the way you did in that first playoff game. That sure. doesn't seem like a bad strategy, but here's the thing. They have so many options, Sully. They could literally interchange the parts almost at will. Because the bullpen, who was kind of sp- not, not sputtering, they were struggling a little bit here and there, started to come back into form. Montero was has been crushing it in that closer role yeah. while, while Presley was on the IL stint. Ryan Stanek has been, you know, friend of the show. He has been throwing smoke He's been all unbelievable.
0: Year. Stanek has and he been got, fantastic.
1: He got, he got, um he got screwed in the, in the all-star vote, he should have absolutely been an all-star because absolutely,
0: I, like, no six, doubt about like it.
1: 16 of his first 17 appearances were high leverage situations and he didn't give up a run in any of them. So it's just like, wow. Like for those of you, staff,
0: don't, those of you who have been following Ryan Stanek and, and it's sometimes been hard for a pitcher who isn't a starter, who isn't a closer to get the sexy appeal. He has struck out 53 batters and 47 and a third innings. Okay. His ERA is 1.14, which means he's let up six runs all year. He's walked 29 batters. He is he is as reliable as you could be. He doesn't throw many innings out of the pen. He averages less than an, in, an inning per appearance. But when you consider, just think about what you just rattled off. Let's just let's just um be under the assumption that Verlander will be pitching in the postseason. Valdez. Uh and we mentioned Hunter Brown. Urquidy, Garcia, Javier, Presley, Stanek, Montero, Phil Maton, uh, uh, Brian Abreu. We haven't even gotten to Lance McCullers Jr. or Will <laughs> Smith or Hector Narris. I mean, we're right now 12 or 13 major league pitchers who not like this, you know, oh god, this is a, this is your mop-up man, you know, you know, right so like that you would feel comfortable putting in a big game situation. That is why, uh huh. That is why you're my shoe doop. That's why the Astros, I don't know why I went into that. I was thinking about it. <laughs> That's Adam okay. Haas. Well, hey, um, you know,
1: you know who you forgot who may still be on this playoff roster is Seth Martinez. Look at.
0: So potentially fourteen. That means you can use a cup, maybe use a pitcher or two on the division series roster and remove them and put someone else who'll be completely fresh for the ALCS. I mean, or heaven forbid, if there's an injury to one of the people, you can you you have someone that you can plunk in who's not like, oh god, this guy was at Round Rock. He's made one inning appearance, or one of those situations he's making his major league debut in the postseason. No, you can get a legitimate major league arm. I mean, look let's at, right. A, a Let team me, like Cleveland or Seattle could potentially pull a Washington or pull an Atlanta and right. pull an upset off. But I don't see any team in the American League have this type of pitching staff and this type of versatility in the pitching staff. And wouldn't it be great if Dusty finally wins his ring? And he has so many options out of the bullpen, out of the rotation that nobody can criticize his, his pitching management because every pitcher he's putting in is a quality major league pitcher.
1: Exactly. And I do want to sit on Brian Abreu a little bit, because this is a kid that has been all the buzz. And even when Strom left, we knew that he was kind of his guy. Brian Abreu was his guy and his biggest problem was harnessing his spin rate. He has one of the highest spin rates in the league. Mm-hmm. Last year, Sully, in 36 innings pitch, he had 18 walks. This year, in 53 innings pitch, he only has 22 walks. He has 75 strikeouts to 22 walks. Last year, he had 36 strikeouts to 18 walks. This guy has not given up an earned run since September. Well, September 14th. Actually, he gave up his first run, which is actually today we're talking. But literally, it's been almost a month since he's given up an earned run. Brian Abreu is special. We have Brian Abreu, Montero, and Nerys who can all interchange into that closing role. Mm -hmm. And Presley just continues to come back from random aisle stint to random aisle stint to come back and just do his thing. And, and. people will always say, well, you know, Presley, Presley makes me nervous. And I'm just like, why does he make you nervous? He's excellent. And it's because he doesn't throw the hundred mile an hour, 103 mile right, an hour right, fastball, right. but he has that breaking ball. He has the off speed stuff. He has the sweeping motion of the baseball going across the plate. You know, I always used to go, what well, does he fall off the plate too much? No, he just generates the heck out of that of that spin and the path of the baseball fools the batter every time. And I mean, God, just, I love this pitching staff. It has been so much fun to watch. And we haven't even talked about Trey Mancini. We haven't even talked about the Kyle offense Tucker, or any of the Kyle Tucker. That, you're not out.
0: Alvarez. Uh, yeah. Oh I mean, man. But well, that, but that, but we know the Astros can score runs. It's right. the fact that their pitching staff is so deep is what I think. I think it's gonna make the difference. I agree. Um, Altuve, uh, look at just be prepared. People are going to boo him. You can't, as I said, you can't scream at the tides. They're going to boo the laundry. We know that's going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, I rooted for the Astros in last year's World Series. Even though Astros Twitter hates me, uh, I rooted for the Astros because of Dusty Baker, who I talked about at length yesterday, and because of, of Grinky. And Baker and Grinky were two of my favorite figures in all of baseball. And I wanted them to get their ring, so that that's why. And I and I, you know, look at I, I have no ill will against the Braves. I just don't care. Um, actually, what I wanted was a seven game series in Game Seven to go fifteen innings. That's what I wanted. <laughs> uh, we didn't we didn't get that. We didn't we didn't get that. But um, hey, uh, Altuve is the nominee of the Roberto Clemente Award. That's right. And uh, this is the this is being dropped. It's Roberto Clemente Day. Uh, it's on the 15th, so I guess the, the video is being dropped on the evening of the 14th, but it's, it's Thursday is Roberto Clemente Day. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, when the Mets honored Willie Mays uh, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, I, I always err on the side of celebrating our greats. And, and Roberto Clemente is one of the great figures in baseball history not just because he was a phenomenal player you know he was considered to be the greatest defensive right fielder of all time and won multiple batting titles in an absolute pitchers era uh, he also played 14 world series games in his career and got a hit in all wow. 14 of them wow and That's impressive was the world series MV- was the mvp of the league world series mvp in 71 which he basically, you know, look at he, it, a couple of strange things about uh, Clemente's career. He, If if free agency existed then, he probably would have left Pittsburgh. He was very frustrated that he didn't get the press that the players from New York and Los Angeles got. And that for years, he was kind of an anonymous superstar playing in p- obscurity in Pittsburgh. And um and, of course, he was also playing in an era where the fact that he was dark-skinned, he went through all the issues of, that uh, African-American players got through, but as a Puerto Rican-American, he also had the language barrier and the culture barrier right? and had to fight things which, at the time, were considered normal from the press. Like, they insisted on calling him Bobby. His baseball mm. card in the early days said Bob Clemente. Bobby Clemente, because you had to Americanize his name, not Roberto. He insisted on being called Roberto because he was not ashamed. He was not going to anglify his name. He was not going to pretend he wasn't who he was. He also, when he was interviewed, the writers would snicker at him and write his answers phonetically. If he had said, if he had mispronounced a word or if he said something in a funny accent, they would write it in the funny accent in a wow. way that he was treated the players who came from the Caribbean and he wasn't the first Caribbean player there were there were players before him but he was the one who kind of led the charge of breaking the stereotype that latin players were dumb cuz they couldn't right. speak english you, you know, know and
1: you know, and you mentioned that, and and that's why, like um, guys like guys on the Astros, like Yuli Gurriel,
0: mm-hmm. I know
1: Jose Arquidi, several of the guys that whether they're from Cuba or Mexico or the Dominican, I believe some of them can speak English, and I've heard a couple of them pretty fluently. But they're they're and the reason why they go through the interpreter so much is they don't want to look stupid, they don't want right. to look bad, they don't want to reflect bad on their family. And that's just one of those things that, you know, to this day that, that they still fight with, but to, but to, you know, talk about Jose Altuve and just what he's done, because I'm always going to advocate for my guy. He's my favorite all-time Astros player. He's got, he's He's, right back there. He's
0: right. You can see his number right back there with Bagwell. That's right,
1: man. Right over there. So um, he has hosted this thing called uncork for a cause. And it's a fundraiser that um, it's through the Astros foundation um, they raise money for awareness for youth sports, education program, nation's military, childhood cancer, domestic violence awareness, and reducing homelessness. And if you know anything about his background of being from Maracay, Venezuela, and the way they grew up and how poor he was, that he signed the $15,000 contract. Um, we've interacted with Jose Altuve a couple times. My son's had the honor of taking the field with him as an Astros buddy. And so he's talked with him. And everything I know about this guy is top notch. You know, it's funny. The other day we were watching a game and my wife's like, why are they booing Altuve? I was like, well, the Yankees actually boo Altuve because he actually has beat them in significant games more than once. So when there's a player, I'm like, when when I see someone like Aaron Judge, I'm going to boo him. Not because I hate him, but because he's, he's the bad guy. He's the other team. But I was like, there's also the other stuff out there. Right. But Jose Altuve has carried himself admirably throughout the city. There's no time after time. It. There's no doubt about it. And that. I and I think he's very deserving as the Astros representative for the Roberto Clemente Award.
0: And and one of the things and, and, and that's and yes, and and I I will never ever try to take away Altuve's uh, contributions to the community and the fact that he seems to be a stand-up guy for all of these all these causes and everything. One of the amazing things about Clemente, first of all, if you don't know, he was originally a Dodger prospect. He was in the Dodger system discovered by Branch Rickey. And when the Dodgers forced out Branch Rickey, Branch Rickey took over the Pirates and acquired Roberto Clemente.
1: I did not know that. Mm Wow.
0: And and the Dodgers tried to hide him in their system. But in the Rule 5 draft, uh, Branch Rickey says, I know this guy, get him. So the man responsible for bringing Jackie Robinson to the league was also responsible for bringing Roberto Clemente to the league. Um, Wow. uh, There are many, many great things. I mean, Clemente was was also basically training to be the manager. He would Mm. manage in the offseason in the Caribbean League. One of the managers that he managed against in the offseason was Frank Robinson, who also would manage in the Caribbean League. Clemente's baseball intelligence was through the roof. And everyone around, he was the star of the team. It took a long time for the press to realize hey, you know the dark skinned fellow who can't speak English? He's the leader. Wow. He's the yeah. leader of that team. And I think a lot of people's eyes popped open when he dominated the 71 postseason. There's a, in the book I'm about to recommend, apparently there were some national writers that said, have we been missing this guy? And some of the Pittsburgh writers are like, yeah, we've been seeing him this whole time. You've, you've been missing him. This is, he's been this good for for a decade. Wow. And, you know, he was very competitive, very, you know, very, uh, you know, very proud player. But he also was someone who put his money where his mouth is, creating the academies of baseball, uh, baseball academies in, in Puerto Rico. He was the, the absolute idol for I mean he was a great player he was impossibly handsome he was he dominated the field when he was there and for for the Caribbean culture and people from Latin America and from Mexico and everyone who looked up and saw there was a Spanish speaking superhero who spoke Spanish when he accepted the World Series MVP oh. um that this was their guy and it carried over a little bit tragically he would, play, he would play baseball year-round. He would play in the Caribbean League where he was the god. He would be the player-manager. <laughs> he played briefly right. in, a, in a league in Nicaragua and got to be very, very close to the people of Nicaragua. He was from Puerto Rico. And right. there was a horrible earthquake that took place in December of 1972. And Clemente had just gotten his 3,000th hit, was probably going to play one more season, and probably eventually would have become the manager of the Pirates. Eventually, and he got word that supplies were being stolen from wow. rescue supplies, and so he got on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. What he could have been partying, he could have he could have just written a check and handed it off. He got on the yeah. effing plane wow. because he knew that when they arrived and they saw Clemente was there, no one would f with him. And the supplies would get to the right places. But, of course, the, pl- the plane was overloaded, and it crashed in the Caribbean Sea. And, you know, they, they, if you read about his funeral, all of his teammates were at the memorial with one exception, Manny Sanguin, because Manny Sanguin did not accept that Clemente was gone, and he was on a boat looking for him, looking for a romance. Wow. He said, no, he's not gone find him he's out there and his the ripple effect of his life has gone all right. on all these many years it's no accident that the roberto clemente award is named after him of someone who's not just a great player but a man of great integrity and of course he's been you know the, the martyrdom for him has has improved his legend but he is uh he's a fascinating figure and one someone we should always celebrate yeah um, for real uh, there's a great book I'm going to show you here. I have, uh, I, I have it on my Kindle and also uh, on my Audible. Uh, if you see the cover right there, uh, I'm giving it the plug. This person has no idea. I've never met this person. Uh, but uh, David, uh, sorry, uh, David uh, Moranis wrote a book called Clemente. It is the definitive biography of uh, the passion and grace of baseball's last hero. Um, I have it both on Kindle and on audiobook. Uh, if you get to the end of that book and you're not in tears, uh, hmm. then we're going to pull the Blade Runner test to see if you're a replicant <laughs> robot because that's the only reason you wouldn't you be crying. Blade Runner. That's right. Oh, I, mean, man. I, I Blade love Runner it. You on your did. My, but, uh, uh, check, I, know, after, I know you're a lover yeah. of baseball history, and anyone else who is, read the book, and your heart will be gigantic. And this is really. This is one of the great figures in baseball history, not just on the field, but also off the field. Everything you should be as a as a baseball hero, and he is someone we should be celebrating.
1: No, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, super appropriate. And you love to see when players in the modern game get get celebrated and when they get nominated for this award because – we live in a day and a time where it's about the bat flip. It's about the show It's about, mm-hmm. it's about me, me, me. It's and
0: there's about a place, for that. There's you know, a place right. for that. And
1: there's a place for that, but it's great for young athletes or even non baseball people. I mean, to me, that's what draws the casual fan too is, Oh, you got players that are advocates for various groups, various communities mm-hmm. for various causes. Right. And it opens up the umbrella because if you're just an audience of one or you're just a monolithic audience, then you can't grow the game that way. The way you grow the game is by reaching out in your umbrella being far reaching. And that's that's how I've always been because, um, you know, I was a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I've been a teacher for almost 15 years. And I've always, no matter what students I've been in contact with, whether it's kids from Honduras, whether it's kids in their city, whether it's prisoners, people from Italy, all over the world. Um, I've learned that they desire two things: structure and love. You give them those two things, and they'll they'll go save the world. And so it sounds like Roberto Clemente had that built into him. Right. And the more we can celebrate that. I think the more we can grow the game and bring in the casual fan, not changing rules and making the game different, but having players like Roberto Clemente and and recognizing players that emulate or closely emulate his character.
0: As you know, I'm, I'm a special education teacher. and I work with kids on the, on the, uh, the autism spectrum. Am I saying we're heroes? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm saying that we're heroes, (laughs) but uh, but no, I completely agree with you. And, uh just just worth by the way i will say this someone who is considered a bit of a hot dog and played with a bit of a flair and a bit of a sense of the drama and a bit of the swagger roberto clemente big yeah. time i'm not saying he did the big bat flips but he played he he played with a flourish let's just say that he played with a sense of drama uh but uh check out the book i recommended uh and you know let's honor Roberto Clemente and, uh, Hey, uh, uh, Brett, AKA H town wheelhouse. Uh, we've got to wrap this up. We're going a little long yes, here, but, uh, thanks for, for jumping on here. And, uh, this looks like, look at, Hey, we all seen, you know the the Phillies a few years ago had the greatest pitching staff I've seen in the postseason since the Braves of the Bobby Cox era, and they couldn't get out of the division series. We mm. all know stuff can happen in October, but yeah. i the Astros are as built as you can be to get to get to the World Series again. and uh you know, thanks for coming on where tell people where they can listen to your extraordinarily influential show.
1: Thank you um myself and Eric Heisman co-host the show we're both teachers by day we do this by night 5 days a week on YouTube on Apple Google Spotify um you can find us on Instagram you can even find us on TikTok now we're trying to what? um yeah we're trying to keep it lit as the kids would say but yeah we're you know we've got the boomer vibe going but I think we're pretty hipping now so y'all check us out if you catch us live which almost every show is live now um, interact with us, ask questions. We'll throw your questions up there. We'll send you a shout out and just thank you so much for listening to the Locked On network. I mean, we got guys like Paul Francis Sullivan, who totally proved to us why he is the encyclopedia of baseball, just throwing out random pieces of knowledge that I would not know unless I talked to and my blade Pacelli. Runner references and blade. Runner. Yes. References. Which reminded me of a bowling team. I was on in the fourth grade. We were the blade runners and we beat the road warriors in the title game. So there you go. How
0: great was 1982? <laughs> ET. Okay. ET, Rathacon. Road Warrior, the oh, man. thing. Poltergeist. Uh, this is off the top of my this head. All get right. any we this is not locked on 82. Summer Tron. Uh Tron came out then. Let's okay, do it. But, let's, do, okay. let's do. Let's an we'll 80s do an 82 podcast. Sometime. Let's do locked on 1982 uh summer movies. Hey, Daniel Martin Benavidez Salazar says, "Let's go Astros. You're a little late to the party. We got to wrap this up." Uh i am I'm uh, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Is that the wrap up?